see you guys here this morning. If you don't know who I am, I'm Ryan. I'm our lead pastor here. And, uh, you know, throughout the year, we've been jumping in and out of a continuing teaching series that we've titled Awaken, the book of Acts. And we've been kind of journeying through the book of Acts together. We're not very far, but uh, it's a series that is just ongoing. We jump into it, we jump off it to do something else, and we jump back into it. And this morning, we're jumping back into it. But before we jump in to this morning's teaching, I just want to celebrate I want to celebrate what God has done and is still doing. So I want to celebrate last week. Last week, we celebrated a risen Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, Numbers aren't everything, but numbers are an indication of some things. I want to celebrate what our numbers were last week. We had over 1,800 people in attendance. 32 salvations and 31 baptisms, church. Come on. How awesome. How awesome. So praise God for just the way he moves in people's hearts. And I I just thank you. I can't thank you guys enough for the way you invited people to just come and experience the heart and the movement of God here at Radiant Life. But this is just a small part of God's kingdom. He moved in churches here in this community and beyond, friends. It's not just about here. It's about grace. It's about the Lutheran church, the missionary church. It's about all the churches, right? We may have little differences, but we're all on the same team. Amen? Amen. And so this is kingdom impact. This is nothing to do with radiant life. It's kingdom impact. And that's where we say, uh, Pam stole my thunder. Um, I was going to say our men's event had 114 in attendance. Pam, thank you for stealing my thunder. But how cool is that, right? That's really cool. You didn't know. You didn't know. She didn't know. So it was great. Uh, 114. Uh, Some of you, I made a joke many, many months ago saying that our men's ministry should be called Sparkle, right? (laughs) And to the avail of many of you, you poo-pooed that idea. And some of you still don't know if I'm serious or not. And I'm just going to leave it there. However, I will say this. At this men's event, you see this table right here? There I am. There's Bill Tekela. Greg Stevens is right there. Uh, Who else we got? Jamie Smith, Chris Kidd. This table right here was the winning table. May I also say, we had to come up with a team name. Can you guess what our team name was? I worked it into the men's ministry event. Yes. Team Sparkles won the men's ministry. Yet I was still, I was told this morning that we cheated. Yeah, that's what I was told this morning. They're still, I mean, haters are going to hate. That's all I got to say. Haters are going to hate. We won. All right. Oh, yeah, last thing. Um, you know, we're celebrating things because it's awesome. We want to celebrate you. This Wednesday, we want to celebrate our change makers, who we call, those are our volunteers at our church to make things. So we have a change maker celebration this Wednesday at 6 o'clock right here at Radiant Life. So if you serve, you're a volunteer, you're one of our change makers, you know who you are, you can get signed up again at our website, the QR codes on the back of the seat on our website, because we just want to make sure we have enough food. Because how awesome was it that 114 men showed up and we ran out of food? 
Like, that's crazy. We don't want to run out of food for you change makers, okay? So that's why we ask you to get signed up. Six o'clock, it's going to have fun. We're going to have food. We're going to have fun. We're going to have some vision for you guys. And we just want to celebrate you because it is more than just what happens on the stage. You are so important. And uh, we're going to tell you and remind you of those things. So get signed up. We want to celebrate you this Wednesday at six o'clock and come hungry because we're going to eat together, all right? Well, hey, we've been, as I said earlier, we've been kind of in and out of this uh, series called Awaken, the book of Acts. And uh, where we left off, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to close out the rest of Acts chapter 2. And I've titled this message, Maintaining a Move of God. Maintaining a Move of God. So while you turn there in your Bible or your app, whatever you use, um, let, me, let me get us caught up to what's happened here You know, Jesus in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with his disciples, the guys that he did life and ministry with for 40 days after his death, burial, and resurrection. And he hung out with them, reminding them to wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift that my father is going to give you, which he will say, it's the Holy Spirit. And then... Jesus ascends into heaven, and for the next 10 days, the disciples are in prayer together, wondering, when is this gift going to come? Acts chapter 2 begins, that it's the day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival, and they're in Jerusalem celebrating this. The disciples are still together, they're still in prayer, and God chose that event, known as the day of Pentecost, that Jewish festival, to send his spirit down on his disciples. And they started speaking in all these nation languages and everyone from all over the world that came to Jerusalem. Why? Because Pentecost was a pilgrim festival. You had to travel to get to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden in that moment, they say, whoa, we hear the wonders of who this God is. And Peter stands up and then he preaches to the crowd And he preaches this three things you need. He's like, first of all, you crucified this Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. He is alive. He is powerful. But you need to do three things. Number one, you need to repent. You need to turn your life back to your heavenly father. Number two, you need to walk in obedience now. He tells them you all need to get baptized. And then he says, number three, we all need the spirit now to walk the Jesus way. And it says at the, uh, in verse 41, it says the people responded and 3,000 people that day were baptized and got saved. That was a long church service. I mean, how incredibly cool would have been to experience that? Where 3,000 people say yes to Jesus, and you probably are just in awe. That's what it says. The people were in awe. And then it begs the question, you've obviously seen the move of God happening. What did the early church do to maintain the move of God? We're given a glimpse in these verses of now what the early church is doing with the move of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. All, how many? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Everyone, 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You and I get that glimpse into the early church. What are they doing now? After the Spirit has came, after Peter preached, and 3,000 people get saved and baptized, what are they doing now? And I want to say this before we jump into some points, and we're going to unpack more of that, is this. We're all called into the game, friends. In God's kingdom, there are no bench players. We're all in the game. And please understand this. We have a responsibility to be active in partnering and participating with God's work in us and in the place we're a part of. That we, it is up to us. I love the one, the one quote. I, I'm sorry, I forgot who said it. It says this, work like it depends on you, pray like it depends on God. Work like it depends on you, but pray like it depends on God. That there are no bench players in the kingdom of God. We're all called to partner with him, participate with him in his work in us and in the place we're a part of. Which if you call Radiant Life Home, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the church, the building where people gather. So before we unpack, and I'm going to give us four different aspects to what we see the early church doing. I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that the Spirit will really tug on our heart with grace and truth this morning. So let me pray for you and me. Heavenly Father, we just take the posture of openness right now. God, your word is life-changing. God, thank you that we're given a glimpse into the early church of what they were doing after your incredible move. We get a glimpse as to what the church should resemble and look like. God, my heart and prayer is that this church would resemble that. That we would not resemble an American church, we would resemble the church. And that's what we want. So Father, would you open up our hearts right now? Holy Spirit, would you speak to it? Convict us where we need that loving conviction. Encourage us where we need that encouragement. Father, we want more of you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said... If there were a couple words that would mark the early church, I I would say this. I think the early church was marked by vibrant worship. Vibrant what, friends? Worship. Now, let's define this real quick. See, in our church world today, we have a tendency when we hear worship, what do we think? Song. What we sing, we call them worship songs. We have a worship pastor. You know, you have a worship leader. So oftentimes we view the word worship as just what we do in the service. And that is certainly part of worship as a whole. And when you and I sing, heaven is engaging in the song with us. 
The battles are being fought and won as we worship. Your weapon may be you need to stand and praise God, and that could be your greatest weapon you need. But worship is more than just song. Worship is how you and I live our lives. I will define it this way. Vibrant worship, it's the essence of not only what we do, but also who we are. Worship is larger than this morning. Worship matters what you do on a Friday night in the bar. Because you don't just represent you. You represent your heavenly father. It breaks my heart, not just in this church, but in the American church, when people say they're hypocrites. Do you know what they do on a Friday night and then they raise their hands on Sunday morning? I get drunk with them. And then they do that. You and I are a representation of Jesus Christ. Listen, drinking's not the sin. Drunkenness is. But I don't think you ought to be drinking around people you know have a difficult job trying to handle a drink. Because now you're causing a brother and sister to stumble. Does that make sense? I'm going to preach a little bit this morning. I hope that's all right. Turn your neighbor and say, he still loves you, though. I was told before service, if I don't sweat, I'm not preaching. Just to warn you, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> what we put on social media matters. I don't care about this, this, don't worry about the building. I'm worried about him. I'm worried how we represent him, your heavenly father. That's why I just say, be careful. Well, if it's my prerogative, it, you do have a free will, but your will has been crucified to Jesus Christ. It is not no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The last time I knew, Jesus told us, die to self, pick up your cross, die to self to follow after me. My fear is, I'm getting on a tangent. My fear is this, we've, we've sold out to an Americanized Jesus and not the crucified Jesus. And that has snuck into our faith. Whew! I, please hear me. Worship is who we are. Worship is who we are. We serve a powerful risen Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's he that lives in me. It is no longer the flesh. It is the spirit. Deeply transformed by Jesus. Look what Romans, Paul writes to the church in Romans. He says this, Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, watch this, to offer your bodies. Notice he just doesn't say your body, bodies, collectively. This is, this is the church, this is God's family. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And watch this, this is your true and proper worship, offering your bodies. I, last time I checked, when someone goes to sacrifice something, the sacrificial thing doesn't get an opinion on what happens. I mean, the, that thing that we sacrifice doesn't get there and say, hey, can you please take that knife a little bit slower? Let me breathe it. No. You bring it because it's, it is to die. The sacrifice is to die. And so he's saying we collectively as a church body, beyond radiant life, everyone, everyone who calls themselves, we together are to offer our bodies to die to that and let it be holy and pleasing to God. That's our true and proper worship. That it is. 
That's worship. Worship is not just what happens in the room, but what happens in your life. Worship is your heart. It's what goes on in your mind. It's the words that you and I say reflects our worship. Words have either life or death. That's powerful. Be careful what we say. Worship is our life's orientation around the way of Jesus. It's our way of life. Here's what, let's look at what Acts says really quick. I love this. Um, What's this one word again? One more time. All. You know what I really appreciate about all? That it doesn't say this. It wasn't just Peter who spoke boldly in front of people who crucified Jesus in 3000. It wasn't just Peter who devoted himself. It wasn't just uh, James or John, the inner circle of Jesus. It wasn't just the disciples. It was all, everyone devoted themselves. Everyone was all in with Jesus. It's not just the pastoral staff. It's all. We all jump in. We're all sold out. And this is to continue all the time. And I don't want you to have one foot in culture and one foot in Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Because those boats are going to go like this. And before you know it, you're going to do the splits and you're going to fall. We got to go all in with Jesus, friends. Vibrant worship is who we are. So let me give you four things underneath vibrant worship. Four things. Are you guys still good? I still love you, I promise. I am sweating. I'm not sweating because I'm nervous. I'm sweating. It's hot. I look at the guy that can control it from his phone right now. Okay. All right. Four things real quick. We'll get through this. All right. Here we go. Four things that we see all in, all in basically in verse 42 that we see here is number one, with vibrant worship, number one, it starts with people who have made worship, the worship of God, their top priority. Not another priority their top priority. It is God first. God first. You know what I loved? Worship, um, they didn't go to church, which was the temple. So anytime you see in the, um, in the text, when you see temple, that's their church building, if you will. Okay? Anytime you see it, they did not make church optional. They went. They made church, the temple, everything to them. They had their kids. They went to church. Right? It wasn't that they had to go, it's that they get to go. And they didn't allow their kids to dictate whether we go to church or not. <laughs> See, parents, because I'm a parent, um, we're afraid of what Disney's doing right now and the way they're taking our kids. Listen, sporting events have taken our kids a long time ago. Right, this travel ball, this travel, this stuff's ridiculous. And I, I got one that plays travel volleyball. Like I hear you, and I'm there, and I'm not just pushing. But you know, the the hard thing is, well, it's only a season. You are teaching your kids something, and I'm not saying attend here. I'm saying we need the body of Christ. You got to go somewhere. 
Now, there is a beautiful thing right now. We have technology now at Radiant Life where you can still plug in. And I know this, summer rolls around, right? And you know what we all do during summer? And I get it. We all need breaks. We need vacation. It's healthy, isn't it? Any of you got good vacation plans? Like, I'm going to go to Texas this summer. I've got plans. It's going to be great. But my fear is this. That even when we're camping or we're on vacation, we'll negate church altogether. We'll negate it. It wasn't when I feel like going, I'll go. It was their top priority. They gave themselves to it. And please lean in. Parents, one more time. Please lean in. I love you, parents. I'm one. Remember, I'm with you. One of the greatest things you can do is teach your kids to be lovers of the church. Because the church is the bride of Christ. Don't criticize the church. You don't just hurt the pastors, you hurt Jesus Christ, who's the head of the church. If you're looking for the perfect place, this isn't it. Good luck finding the perfect church. You know why? Because we're a hospital for sinners. And we're not a museum for saints. And we'll make mistakes. We'll make mistakes. If you're tearing down the church, it will be impossible for your kids to love the church. Why would they want to come if all they do is here? You know what I think we should do? Start talking about what God's doing in the church. What you focus on will become the biggest thing in your mind. Focus on the negative, you'll find it, and it will be the biggest thing in your mind. But focus on what God did last week and share that news with your kids. Wow, they'll be blown away. Focus on how God's changing you. Focus on how God's using this person or that person in your life. Because my desire is for my kids in your church to lo- and your kids to love God with all their heart. Because lean in. Parents, you can't create in them what isn't in you. You can't. Teach him to love God, love his church, love his people. Teach him healthy that, hey, we don't go to church because it's perfect. We go there because we all need the grace of Jesus Christ. Be passionate about the bride of Christ. It's his church. This is what he chose to get his mission out in the world. It's this. You still okay? (laughs) Parents, you still love me? (laughs) Remember, worship, it's the essence of not what we do, but also who we are. Here's number two. Here's number two. Vibrant worship prioritizes solid biblical teaching. I'm not here to become popular. I'm here to build a solid foundation on his word and to build it in your life. My opinions don't matter. Please hear me, your opinions don't either. God's word does. Don't ever elevate our opinions above this. And even if we don't get it, that's okay. Keep seeking after him. This thing is alive. And I get passionate about this. It's the one thing I love about ministry is being able to teach God's word and elevate it. You know what the problem is today in our culture? This is becoming obsolete. 
You know why? Because they say there's no absolute truth. Uh, Christians, let's rise up and say there is absolute truth. It's called God's word, inspired by the spirit, and we have his word. But listen, you bring out his word, but you bring it in truth and grace. Right? It says Jesus came with grace and truth. Notice grace, the writer said grace first, then truth. Listen, truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. All right, let's, let's look at what, what, look at Acts, look at Acts, look at Acts. <laughs> all the believers devoted, the, all of them, they're all into the apostles' teaching. Guess what? You and I have the apostles' teachings right here. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching the message. They went on and wrote letters that you and I now have. I love what Hebrews says. Here's a couple of verses. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is what? It's alive and what? alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Man, you get away and you're able to sit there and go, God, man, allow it to confront where I'm off. Allow it to confront where, where I just missed the mark and I don't look like Jesus right now. That's what I love about the word. Does it convict? Yes, but conviction always comes with gentleness and love and points you to Jesus Christ. You got to know that. I love it. Here's what, it, um, here's what 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says. All scripture is inspired by God. Some translations like the NIV says it's, it's breathed. It's the breath of God. It's the Holy Spirit that inspired it. It's useful to teach us what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You have a job to do that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Well, I don't know my purpose. Can I just say, start getting into God's word and you're going to start to sensitize your hearing to his word. You're going to start to sensitize your mind and your heart and your ears to his voice. And you'll start to understand where to go in your life. The psalmist writes this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. We need to know how to walk out this Jesus way. And he's saying, your word, God's word, is how you and I are to do it. Remember, vibrant worship It's the essence of not what we do, but also who we are. We are a church that will prioritize solid biblical teaching. Not all the answers, but we're going to try to do this together. Here's the third point. Vibrant worship values being in authentic biblical community. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me. Turn to your other neighbor if it's appropriate and say, you need me as well. I realize often when I make you turn to, you know, most of the time when you turn, you're going to turn to someone you know. The second turn is someone you don't know. And I've realized many times it's probably inappropriate to say what I tell you to say to someone. (laughs) Here's what Acts, let's jump, look again. All the believers devoted themselves, watch this, to fellowship. (laughs) Ha ha, they're together, right? And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They were in fellowship. This word here, fellowship, in the original language is Greek. This is, it literally is koinonia. Koinonia, which means to share something in common with others, right? 
So together, what are they sharing in? They're sharing life together. They're sharing the same Jesus together. They're sharing struggles and victories together. They're praying together. They're sharing meals together. They were together because that's the bride of Jesus, the church together. And many times people will say, well, I don't believe I need the church. Every time the church is, it's uh, in the Greek, it's ekklesia. Ekklesia means the assembly of the called out ones. So you need the church because we're assembled together. It's really hard to assemble when you're by yourself. We need each other. We do. I, I, I don't people. I get you. And I don't know if, you know, church, they don't, I don't know. I just don't really get anything out of church or whatever. Please hear me. What if someone else needs you? And you've negated it. They're sharing something. Our spiritual growth is not a do-it-yourself do project. It's a community project. And here's the problem in the American church. You ready? You guys know this. We've embraced the independence from our American culture and brought it into the church and our faith to say we're independent. No, we need each other. This is why our brothers and sisters in Africa who live in communities get the community aspect of our faith way better than we do because they know they need each other. They're, they're always together in this koinonia. I love what 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven says. All of you together are Christ's body. Uh, how many of us? Ah, you guys are good. And each of you is a part of it. Uh, I mean, each of you is a part of it. I love this. You know, if you and I, if your hand becomes crippled, we would probably say we have a disability or an illness, right? If you sliced your arm off, your body, we would say there's a disability to it. Is that not the American church today? We have brothers and sisters in Christ in our homes that just won't come and be a part of the body. And it's dis, it, the body right now in the American church is like having a disability because it needs all of us. It needs you. Turn your neighbor and say, say, it needs you. And here's the thing. Please hear this. There are things that God desires for you to have that won't happen during your personal quiet times. It will only come with fellowship of other believers. And I'm all for the quiet time in our lives. But we need other people to also sit there and go, oh my gosh, you know what? Praise God because he used you exactly what I needed. Exactly. Church is not just a personal experience, but a community of people gathering together to do life together. And I love, I love, watch this, watch this. Uh, a few verses earlier, he says this, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, and the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. We need each other. And one of the most damaging things, men, you heard this if you were there at the Friday night event, one of the most damaging things that we can do in our spiritual walk is become isolated. The enemy is like a lion prowling around, as Peter said, looking to devour. And it's easy to devour the isolated one. We need each other. Here's the last point. 
No, let me say this. I, turn to your neighbor and say, he still loves you. <laughs> you all know that's my disclaimer now, and, you're gonna hit, and we're going to have a point here. Vibrant worship. Listen, a disconnected Christian is a disobedient and unfruitful Christian. We can't negate the fellowship of believers. We can't. And what did the early church do to maintain the move? All together. Read those verses again. Read those six verses, five verses. How many times you need to circle all and together. They were constantly in fellowship with one another. We need each other. You'll bear more fruit when you have other people in your life speaking into you. And now you're walking in obedience. Okay, here's, here's the last one. Remember, vibrant worship. It's who we are. Here we go. Here's the number four. Vibrant worship prioritizes prayer. Prioritizes what? Prayer. prayer is the church's lifeblood. It's the lifeline to God. What I found interesting is remember in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended to heaven, it's about 10 days before the Spirit fell. Worship team, make your way up. Um, and in that moment, what are they doing together? Praying together. Vibrant worship prioritizes prayer. This is why I love our first Wednesdays. I had a vision that said this. Ryan, first Wednesday, make my house a house of prayer. And that's what we try to do on first Wednesday. So this becomes a house of prayer. I was talking to a pastor this week and I said, you know what? The biggest work we can do, the real ministry, is prayer. It's prayer. And then the Holy Spirit fell on them after they prayed together. Vibrant worship prioritizes prayer. Maybe you and I in our own life can increase our prayer life. But I love what they're doing. All the believers devoted, jumped all in together to prayer. And then the result, everyone was filled with awe. When they started living out this vibrant life together, this vibrant worship, they were filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. And they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Jesus became more important to them than their possessions were. Jesus had all of them, not just a part of them. And they were willing to say, if someone is need, here, take this, take that, we'll sell it, we'll give it away. Because it's about the bride of Christ, which is all of us. We need each other. This is to maintain the move of God. This is what it's like to actually be the church. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying, watch it, enjoying the favor of all the people. Let's pray that we have favor in our community. Let's pray that you have favor in your workplace and in your school. We need to pray that, friends. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being, what's this one word? Saved. Saved. I can't wait for next week. Here's why. We're going to off-ramp Awaken already. I know some of you who like the synchronized, like, in order, sorry. All and together. This is going to take all of us to maintain the move of God. So welcome next week to our new series, All of Us. And we're going to look at a new mission statement for our church that we believe that God gave us. And it's going to take all of us to do it. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're a part of it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a part of it as well. But here's what I want us as I close. Lean in on this point right here, friends. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Vibrant worship will leave its mark. It'll leave its mark in your life. And the way you treat your spouse and the way you handle kids, the way you handle the neighbors and you love those who are very hard, it will leave a mark in your life. But it'll leave a mark in the community of those who are far from Jesus as well. Vibrant worship will leave its mark just like it did in the book of Acts. So it's going to take us all. It's going to take us all. But I can't wait to see more of what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. So we're going to transition a little bit in our worship. We're going to continue to worship.